Working with your investments, retirement, insurance, estate, or tax planning, or just dealing with everyday expenses, your money matters. Let KT Thomas help you make the most of it. This is KT's Money Matters. Thanks and welcome back. This is KT at KT's Money Matters. You know, I've been getting some feedback from the Money Matters community for topics that they might be interested in. Our next guest is going to help me talk a little bit about some of the things I've been getting some feedback. A lot of people talk about what does it take to start your own business and what does it take to be successful? So I've asked Lou Diamond, founder of Thrive, CEO Thrive, and he is considered the master connector. He has over a quarter of a century of experience in sales, relationship management, business development, and executive coaching. Lou is an energetic, humorous, and an inspirational business development strategist and a performance coach. He has consulted and mentored leading performers from companies all over the world. Part of why I've asked him to be here today is to help people think about what's it take to build a business. Maybe he can share with us some of how he built his own business. And I think the biggest theme, which is stepping outside of your comfort zone. Lou, thanks for taking time to join us today. KT, thank you so much for having me on. And, and when you started to describe that we were going to be talking about learning about starting a business, I got all excited. And then I'm like, wait, they're going to ask me about it. Oh my goodness. I'm, hopefully I'm in the right seat. No. <laughs> I feel very confident that we're going to be just fine. I know we will be. Yes. Perfect. Can you tell me a little bit about what the vision was when you started your company and what your company does? You know, sometimes it takes unique circumstances that arise in your environment that actually hit you and say, it's time for a change. And there's two key skill sets that I didn't know I had until I looked back at it. But the first is you have to recognize that things are changing around you and you have to follow your passion. And I paired those two together. I worked on Wall Street for a very long time and the environment had been changing and I was doing very well, yet I knew I needed to change up what I was doing. And I think there was something calling on me from the inside or maybe from the outside world, however you want to look at it, which basically said that I was limiting myself for what I wanted to do. Now, what was it that I wanted to do, KT? And that was the more unique part. And that was that everyone that I'd ever worked with had said that I worked, whether it was sales, marketing, account management, leadership, I led in a certain way that was different from anything else. And other companies other people, other leaders, other top performers needed to benefit from what I was doing. And it took a little bit of foresight, some patience, and actually some simple looking at what I was doing to change what I was doing, which was to get up and leave a Wall Street job, very successful, you know, safe paycheck that I was getting, and start everything from scratch. Because I knew that life was too short And I needed to follow this calling that was sort of a consultant and a coach, as you've described in my bio, where I work with lots of top leaders and performers to change their message, their brand, the way that they connect to their end targets. And so that was the calling. That was the background of it. And for the last four and a half years, it has been one roller coaster ride. And so many lessons (laughs) learned that I can't wait to go through some of those and share them with you. What I will say, and this is the the funny thing, just recently at the time of this recording, it's early May, I had just met with someone that I used to work with on Wall Street who just left that role. And he came to me and he's been following my career and the companies I've been working with. And he said to me, Lou, you couldn't have picked a better time to leave. And you also have 
really grown so much more the person that you look like today versus what I was four and a half years ago, sans a lot less hair, <laughs> is definitely <laughs> something that is so great to see that you were able to kind of dig down into your core and figure out what that superpower was and put it out into the world and help so many different people do that. And I do that through speaking, through workshops, and through a lot of coaching with some really amazing companies and clients. Nice. Because, you know, the Money Matters community is always trying to figure it out financially, like what it means when you load off and start a business. Can you talk a little bit about how you manage the financial ups and downs of building the business from scratch? I mean, you left a really good income stream behind to go jump and do this. But can you talk a little bit about especially those first couple of years? Yeah. And, and I'll say that it certainly hasn't gotten back to the level that I would like it to. And it never does because I have kids that are one that's about to go into college in the fall, another one that's two years behind him. And I live in a suburban neighborhood in just outside of New York City. So expenses, taxes, lifestyle, all the things that I had were really expensive. So this was a challenging move. I'll let you know that I did put away, I was very, I'm very conservative in the way that I've operated my entire life. So I did save money and put it aside. And that was for the important things that were important to my family's core, which was an education for our kids and got ourselves to a point that I knew that I had a little bit of a nest egg, but I'd be digging into savings to do that. So just make it clear that there were certain things that I knew that I had a little bit of a cushion to work with. The second part before I get to how we managed it was I had a very supportive family that believed in what I was doing and knew that there was a business model behind this. The other thing that I learned in this transition of going from the steady job to the initially a solopreneur and then I guess entrepreneur because I have people working in my organization was that I did lay out a very simple, clear plan on what I needed to do and how I was going to look at that, th those revenues. And I would make certain investments into the company that would yield results in a pretty quick turnaround time. And, and I mean that in the sense that every action I had would have probably a three to four month window of where the revenue would then come in afterwards. So if I spent money on a certain initiative, the goal was to make sure that there was revenue coming in thereafter. It was a very quick game plan because I couldn't go too long working in the red, if you would. And right. that plan was continues, by the way, it's still the way that I think so that any type of investment that I make for the business, what from a software technology point of view, from our operational software, even to the getting QuickBooks set up so that I can get my business running. All of these things were, okay, this is what it's going to cost. And this is where we will start to see the returns. And I literally made the timeline that short. And it might've been that I worked in a public company for a long time and I thought quarterly. It also was just the way that I had managed my life. So I didn't look at it as kind of like throwing pie in the sky with no game plan. There really was a legitimate business plan that mapped out what every month and quarter would look like. And Every month and quarter, KT, I would sit down and say, how are we doing on this plan? Are we behind? Are we ahead? So, you know, I never really got away from the numbers. It wasn't just pie in the sky and a big dream. It got tactical very early. And I can't stress enough to anyone that wants to start their own business that you lay these things out. It's probably more important than a lot of the bigger visions of where people are because you need to get by, especially at the stage of life that I'm at, where I needed to feel a little bit of comfort on where I can go. So, you know, you made a couple of excellent points about the ups and downs and about sort of getting yourself ready as you start a business. But, the, you know, the other piece that I got from this was that, you know, the idea that you, you know, I mean, I always, you know, have the plan, work the plan, 
right? Review the plan Mm -hmm. and repeat. And I think a lot of people think they're just going to start a business. They've got a really great idea. They're going to build a website and then boom, they're just going to open the doors and it's going to be terrific. And of course, anybody who's ever started a business knows that it actually really doesn't work like that. And so there's a lot of investment, right? There's a lot of personal time. There's a lot of creative time. And then there's a lot of your own money to start your business. Can you talk a little bit about what people should think about as guidelines for how they invest in their company? By the way, I love how you broke it into those three pieces because it's in a personal time and there's also a knowledge sharing time within this. I'll give a perfect example. So this is, we're four and a half years down the journey. I used to have, I actually had people working for me as employees initially. And the model that we had set up where we were doing coaching and workshops and consulting projects in the beginning. And we changed it a little bit in that I actually have a lot of people that are more, for those that are starting their own company, a lot of 1099 contracted employees and we'll pull them in when we need them as opposed to having them on the books and and salaried. So we learned those lessons early on. We also learned the type, even the content of the work that we would do changed. Initially, we would go around and we would do all of these workshops and learnings throughout the calendar. And then we realized that the better solution was for me to actually be speaking more and becoming a keynote speaker, talking to many, many more people, and then doing consulting work thereafter. So our business model had changed. So looking at it from a knowledge share piece over time, you're right. The game plan we had laid out adjusted and changed over time. The operational steps that we did, though, kept pretty much staying the same. I will say that things kept getting added into the business and investing. You're hosting a podcast show right now. I have my own show, Thrive Loud, which launched a little over a year ago in May. If you would have told me that I had a podcast show from the very beginning of my business, I would have laughed at you. <laughs> I didn't even know what a podcast show was actually before then. And it's become an incredible marketing tool for my business. So these were decisions that we learned. We partnered with great people. We took each step of the process and looked at the change. I took the time each week. I'm very organized. I used a a very important app in my life called Close, C-L-O-Z-E, which organizes all my communication, all my business development follow-up. It's like the greatest CRM system ever. And each week, there is a set time to make sure that we're investing in ourselves, we're looking at the business, and we're digging down deep. And then came the part that you last had, which was the, the financial piece. And my COO and I, who happens to be a very important person in my life, who happens to be my wife, she and I have these monthly meetings and quarterly meetings where we go through every step of the business and analyze where the business pipeline is, where the steps are going, and financially, how are we doing with the money that we have? Is it, is, you know, are we finally getting to the black? Are there good months or bad months? Why was this month so good and why was this month not so good? All of those little plannings are so essential that you get yourself in a structure early on because... As you grow, if you don't set up these good habits, you might miss opportunities to invest appropriately, cut back appropriately, and also take leaps forward in your business. Those organized steps and those three buckets that you just described are great ways that you need to stay on top of things in your business. So you talked about a lot of change over the course of the last four years. And I know that for a lot of people, one of the big challenges is, you know, getting outside of their comfort zone. You talk about this a lot, you know, uh, on your podcast, which I've, you know, sort of chimed in and listened to this idea of how you expand your business by getting outside of your comfort zone. Can you share a little bit about that with our, with the uh, (laughs) Matters listeners? Every day I'm getting outside of my comfort zone. You know, the the irony is in what I preach and and you mentioned that as, as the master connector, when I, when I wrote the book, The Master of the Art of Connecting. Part of the core of being a master connector, it's not just about meeting people in connection. 
being a master connector are what some of the greatest leaders and leaders of companies, businesses, individual success stories. These are the people that you're drawn to in life. And they're inside, there's a connecting core. And within that connecting core, there are four, I'm putting this in quotes, muscles that you need to work on how you need to be to be a master connector. One of those muscles is having a fearless mindset. And that is literally stepping outside of your comfort zone every single day. Going back to going to a regular job working on Wall Street every single day just to leave was a big decision on how I got out of that comfort zone. To establish a fearless mindset and to stretch every day is the only way that you're ever going to grow in life, in business, in your passions. This is the most important thing that you need to do out of the entire Connecting Core is to embrace being fearless. And there are three ways that I, that I do this. And this is the three ways on how you can work on stepping out of your comfort zone and managing it. One, you have to choose to face these fears and get out of your comfort zone. You have to recognize that I want to change or I want to face something that I'm not comfortable with. I want to try something new. You have to make that choice. The second is you have to come up with a name for it. I know it sounds really crazy. You have to identify what that is. What's holding you back? What is it? Is it the job that you have? Is it the thing that's new? Trying a podcast show, speak in a TV show, going out and uh, interviewing and marketing yourself. Some people actually have hesitations on this. And if you identify what those things are, you know how to identify the feeling you have and how to move through it. And then the third is to flip it on its head. When you want to say, okay, I'm going into something that's new and totally outside of my comfort zone. And I step into that new comfort zone. What is the benefit of it? Not what's going to be wrong with it. If I'm really afraid to speak in public, let's say, well, think about, you know, speaking to one person is no different than talking to a thousand people. I'll always do this mindset thing where you're flipping things around. So to get out of the comfort zone, I embrace those three things just about every day, by the way. And I encourage and coach people to do this as well. So I'm constantly reminded when I'm working with leaders and top performers, this is what you need to do. And I have to make sure I'm doing it myself. So, you know, having read a little bit of your book, there was a part of the book that talked about leading with a heart. And so I was hoping that maybe you could spend a little bit of time. You talked about this, some in the comfort zone, this idea of, you know, the passion behind the work and how you get out on the ledge despite how you feel about it. And, you know, it's funny because... Tammy Simon's a financial advisor that I work with in my office. She always says, you know, I think you're out on the ledge doing backflips. Like you just love being out there. Some people are afraid to be out there, but you're like out there going, this is really amazing. Come on out here and see it. And most people just aren't like that. They're risk adverse and they're afraid of failing. And I always say, you know, failing's part of learning. And so you have to just be willing to fail in order to ever succeed. But you talk a little bit about leading with a heart. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about how you think that affects, you know, your bottom line. Yeah. And a great question too. And I think do business with people who are truly authentic and who really connect with us. And part of that whole idea about being a master connector, one of the muscles is this power of authenticity. And that is being open, honest, and from the heart with everything you do. I think we feel better when we have that relationship with people, forget just doing business. We know when someone is open and honest with us, we can trust that person. We let them into our world. Well, that's true within our business world too. That's the type of business we want to do with people. I have found, and I think this is true, that you might get some short-term results if you aren't 100% authentic. You've seen people that might be you know, telling little white lies or a little disingenuous maybe in the way they are. And those work a little bit. But when it, the real value comes in when you truly trust someone. When you let them into your world and you understand exactly being open and honest and completely transparent from the insides about how you do business, how you do the things that you're passionate about, that's who we want to do business with. That's who we want to be with every single day. 
So from a profit and loss standpoint, this sounds really interesting. We choose to do business with the people that do that and are in the same page as us. That authenticity and coming from the heart is what is attracted to us. There's more revenue opportunities with existing clients when that happens. You can find that when you're that way, they really understand who you are and they want you to be part of your team. And that's the ongoing, you know, the first sale is always the hardest. I actually argue the most profitable sales are the second, third, and fourths. You bring that first customer in and now it's the ongoing business that you do with them. And that's been part of the success. I've done a speaking engagement at one particular client and then a whole year's worth of consulting work came from that. And a lot of it was being open, honest, and from the heart in those initial meetings and that initial relationship with the client and constantly every single step of the way. And it has led to more dollars on the bottom line because of it. Perfect. So for our Money Matters community, when you're thinking about starting your own business, consider maybe even chipping in and listening to Lou's podcast and maybe even looking at his best-selling author, The Master of the Art of Connecting. Lou, how do people reach your podcast if they want to maybe love what you hear and want to plug in and get more from you? What I will say is for anyone starting a business, we have tons of entrepreneurs that come on the show. And the nuggets that I provide in my own business is one thing. What I learn from all of these amazing guests that are thriving in their lives, their businesses, and their passions, you must hear their stories from technology companies to life coaches to financial gurus to fintech companies. You cannot believe the range of people and these unbelievable things on how they're thriving. And that's what the show is about. Thriveloud.com is where you can find the podcast and listen to it. And we're on all the outlets out there from iTunes, Overcast, Google Play, you name it. You could just search Thrive Loud with Lou Diamond anywhere. And everywhere in social media, it's at Thrive Loud. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Everything there will link it. We have, it started off, we used to have one show a week. Now we have three to four. I don't even know anymore. <laughs> it's getting to the point <laughs> that we have so many shows a week. One of, my, one of my favorite parts of the week is Wednesdays to get through the hump day or the hump of the week, if you would. Yes. Uh, we created this thing called the mini-sode. And we'll go back to some of the hundred plus episodes that we have where we go in and we'll pull some of those amazing pieces of wisdom as a reminder and it's a really short mini-sode where we'll go back and listen to what one of the previous guests have, had brought to the table and highlight that featured piece, which is a great way for you not just to connect to thrive, which is really what our show is, but it's also to connect and thrive loudly. Lou, thanks so much for spending time with us today. You'll find more information and how to get access to Lou's podcast in our show notes. Thanks again for tuning in. Thanks for listening to KT's Money Matters with KT Thomas. For more information, past episodes, and show notes, go to www.ktsmoneymatterspodcast.com. Make sure you subscribe and recommend it at iTunes, Overcast, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>